Did you have a piggy bank growing up? Show me, show me your hand if you had a piggy bank growing up. Anybody remember what it was? Mine was a, uh, a basketball. Because I grew up in Indiana, I'm a good Hoosier. Actually, I had to ask my mom. I didn't remember if we had a piggy bank at all. But we had two, actually. We had a basketball, and then we also had a ceramic bear. I don't know why. I only vaguely remember the bear. I remember the basketball after she said it, but both of them had kind of the little plugs in the bottom of it, you know, where, you know, they kind of like poop out the money a little bit and stuff like that. You know, but my guess is kind of the bear had a plug too. Don't remember it, but I do know that we put all these coins in there and then we couldn't get the coins out so much so that I think we just kind of left it. And I, I believe at some point my mom just smashed it and took like the 350 out of it, you know, or whatever, got herself on. Well, now that's what like a Coke costs at a restaurant. So she got herself a, a Coke or, you know, something like that. But we all kind of know the point of a piggy bank. We know that it's supposed to help us save pennies for a rainy day, and it's a smart thing to put money away. And somewhere down the line, we kind of change from a piggy bank to a savings account or change from a piggy bank to a 401k. And I think 401ks are just kind of fancy, like, piggy banks, really. They're, you know, saving for, you know, the rainy day of retirement. And saving something for later is smart, but we're, we're in this series. This is actually the last week of our series that we're calling Piggy Banks and 401Ks. You can hold your applause for it being the last week. I appreciate you doing that. Thank you. But for some of us, this piggy bank turns into something else. A piggy bank, though it's kind of designed to hold things for later, turns into this reminder of what we don't have. Like 401Ks can kind of do the same thing. Like, do you know somebody who like really watches the markets? And, you, you know, you see it fluctuate up and down, and you're like, oh, there it all goes. Oh, I got another year. Oh, there it all goes. Oh, I got another year. And we kind of focus on, you know, what we don't have when we think about money sometimes. And the piggy banks become something else, a reminder of what we don't have or how hard we have to work or what we need to do to get to where we want to or that thing that we don't have that we're saving for. You know, 401ks and piggy banks can just be reminders of what we don't have. And if we let kind of that mindset prevail, it turns into something else. It's, it's called a scarcity mindset. Have you, have you ever heard of the, the scarcity mindset before? It's this really dangerous thing that comes along with, with thinking about, you know, provision and money. And I think in particular, it's dangerous when it comes to faith and how we interact with generosity and Jesus. So what's the scarcity mindset? The scarcity mindset is when we feel like we don't have enough, so we act like we don't. Like, we don't have enough, we feel like it, it's a feeling, whether it's true or not, we feel like we don't have enough money, so we're going to act like we don't have enough money, and we're not going to spend it, and we're not going to do what we have planned on doing with it, or, or whatever. It, we, we hear scarcity mindsets when we talk a lot. This is what it sounds like. Well, there's not enough, or I wish I could give more, but I can't afford it, or we will never be able to get ahead, or we're always behind, or I haven't prioritized giving in that way, or I haven't prioritized that in my budget, or there's always more month left at the end of the money or whatever. And it's this cycle, this scarcity cycle. So I kind of want to teach you just a little bit about this scarcity mindset and dig into it. So here's how scarcity starts. And scarcity starts with something inherently positive, inherently good. Scarcity starts with what we get. There are a lot of people who work really, really hard. 
and you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you put in the effort, you put in the time, you've invested well, and we get something out of that. It's the paycheck, it's the inheritance, it's the whatever. And getting something immediately goes into something else. When we get something, we very quickly use it up. So we get the dollar dollar bills and we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we go and we spend the money. We consume the money, right? So this can be a really positive thing. You have a budget, you have the three buckets, you know, we teach our kids about, you know, so here's the, the saving bucket, here's the spending bucket, but the first bucket is the giving bucket and you give it back to God. So that's great. It's good. We all like this so far. We're ready to go. We get money and then we use money. Woohoo! It's like a teenager. Gimme, 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 gimme. But then something else happens. We start to maybe not have everything that we want. Or we start to not be able to afford everything that we want. Or we start to think about the future. Or we see the market and the negatives. And we don't know what to do. And we get into the red. And we start to fear. Now, fear and money have a really close relationship. Sometimes we allow fear into this mindset that we have. So we get money, then we use money, and then we fear that we won't have enough money. And this can be really sneaky. It can be really tricky because here we act like we've got it all and it's all good, but here we start to go, well, maybe not, or maybe I need it for myself. It's about me. It's buying mine, 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 mine. And then we start to do the last part of the cycle. We protect the money that we have or the commodity that we have. So we get the money, then we use the money, and it's awesome, and it's great, until we maybe use too much of the money, or we worry that we're not going to get to where we need to go, or we have these financial goals, and we we fear that we're not going to make it. So we protect, and we say, there's not enough. There's not enough for us. There's not enough for me. So we act like we don't have enough, and then we interact with life like we have to only do it this way. This is the scarcity cycle. It Sometimes it's called paycheck to paycheck. I don't love that because there's a lot that goes into that. This is really the go more and get more, you know, cycle. We get, we use, we fear, we protect. Now, when it comes to the scarcity mindset, it's a really difficult way to live, but it's a really attractive way to live because we put all this energy and all this time and all this effort into getting more. You get you some, like go, do it, yeah. And we like that. We like that feeling of when we get. We even like the feeling of when we use. And then we seek that feeling again by fearing and protecting. And you might be kind of in the paycheck to paycheck boat. And it is a scary boat to be in. And you're like, I can't even think about coins in a piggy bank, Adam. Like how rude of you to continue to talk to me about money. And I'm so sorry, but I'm actually not really that sorry because we're going to keep talking. But maybe you don't live paycheck to paycheck. A lot of us don't. And maybe you've got more than enough stashed away and you live more in the 401k world than you do the piggy bank world. But I think this applies to both of those worlds. And sometimes we go, I don't need to listen to this type of thing because I already give or I already save. So these other people around me really need this message, but I don't need this message. I'm checking my fantasy football team right now. I mean, I checked it a few minutes ago in between services. It's okay. I understand. But I want to show you, if you follow Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, we can have a totally different mindset because this mindset never ends. This mindset is empty. It is full of fear 
And you just spiral down because you will never get enough. So we're going to take a look in Mark 12. And it's a short little story that I think it packs quite a punch. It's four verses long. That's it. So check this out. Mark 12, starting in verse 41. This is a story about Jesus. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Can you imagine that for just a second? Like imagine you're you're sitting there and Jesus is like right there. And you're about to put coins in or money in or write a check or whatever. And Jesus is like right there. He's like, is that it? You gonna put in more? Like, I see you. And you're like, I know. Like, you're right here. Maybe like like eyes with them and it's like a moment. And you're like, I don't know. Like, you're logging into theridge.org slash give. And like, Jesus is like right here, like in all the movies. You know, you have the the two angels on your side and Jesus is like right here. This is kind of the image that I have. He's right there. He is sitting right next to where everyone puts in their money. And all these rich people are coming up. And they're like, hey, Jesus. Like, clink. Clink. Clink, like they're looking for the thumbs up from them, you know? It's called the Hawthorne effect, actually. Everybody does this. Our behaviors change when we're being watched. You know how I know this? I have kids. And there are times as a dad that I say, hey, go clean up, you know, your room. And I watch them do it. And then they somehow do it correctly. But then the next day, when we say go clean up their room, and you would have thought that they have never picked up uh, anything in their life. And I'm like, the correct strategy is not to shove stuff into the closet. See, this is the Hawthorne effect. Like, we change our behavior when we're viewed. And Jesus is sitting there, and he's watching. And I think all these rich people have changed their behavior a little bit. And they're given, and they're given a lot. And that's a good thing, right? So what happens next? This is verse 42. And then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. There's a lot loaded into this tiny little sentence. So Jesus sees the widow. She's poor. She likely doesn't have what she needs to make it through the week. She has everything that she owns in those two little coins. And culturally, it would have been a really, really hard life to be a widow. And this poor woman comes and she drops in the two small coins that she has. And that doesn't mean much to us in our context today. So just kind of want to do a little bit of math. It's everyone's best, most fun activity at church is doing math. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to put it in today's terms. Minimum wage in Indiana is $7.25 an hour. And if someone works an eight-hour day at minimum wage. It's around $58 before taxes and before all this other stuff. So what's 164th of 58? Because that's how much she was giving, was 164th of kind of the, the minimum wage. And give or take, carry the six, it's 91 cents. In today's terms, that's how much she's given, less than a dollar. And the value of her offering is negligible. It's on the right side of the decimal point. And the rich people are putting in like 1,600 times more than she is. And we, we, I mean, we actually have more change in our couches than this a lot of times. We have, I have more change on the bottom of the floor in my car than this, which I need to clean my car. That's a reminder. I'm, I'm aware of what you're thinking right now. That's okay. But she gives everything she's got. 
That's the point. Verse 43. Now Jesus called his disciples, his followers to him. He said, hey, 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 come here, come here, come here. Look, I tell you the truth. And anytime Jesus says, I tell you the truth, we just pay extra attention to it. I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. Well, that depends on your perspective, Jesus, because no, she hasn't. Actually, like if you're comparing dollars and cents, she hasn't even gotten close to what the other people have contributed. I don't. I wonder if the disciples were like, I mean, he's right there. Like he can see what they're putting in, right? Like what's this weird math that Jesus is doing? There's nothing like church math. And he's saying, no, 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 no. Change the perspective. It was actually way, 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 way more. Why? Because she gave everything. Verse 44, for the rich people gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. She gave everything. She gave her entire livelihood. And this really illustrates what matters to Jesus. He calls it out. Jesus is saying, look, the amount that you give is not the point. The dollar amount's not the point. The heart is the point. And the widow's actions revealed the heart. Her attitude illustrated what was going on in her heart. What does your attitude towards money illustrate? It probably illustrates something. And here's, here's kind of a, a way to explain. I think that there are these two mindsets. There's the scarcity mindset. And scarcity is giving when we give a tiny part of our surplus. Those are the rich people. And Jesus noticed, and it's not about the dollar amount, and they're clinking those coins in, but it wasn't really about how much they gave. It was the heart in which they gave. So that's important. That's what he's pointing out. So what's sacrificial giving? What did, what did the widow do? Well, she sacrificially gave, and that's when we give everything that we've got. She didn't have the scarcity mindset, and if there's anybody in the world who had the right to have a scarcity mindset, it was the widow. She had less than a dollar to her name. Even now, we would say, that ain't great. But at the time, she had nothing. She gave less than what it would cost to have one meal. And I don't know her situation, but I believe that Jesus did. And maybe they locked eyes. I don't know. But she gave everything she had to live on. She had a different mindset. It wasn't a scarcity mindset. It was a sacrificial giving mindset. And I don't know if you're like me, but when I read this four verses, I stop and I have a little bit of trouble. Like, I'm tr- are, are, you, are you with me? Are you tracking with me? See, I'm okay with the heart part of things. I'm okay with the, I don't have to worry about the dollar amount part of things. I really like that part, but I really don't like the give everything we've got part of things. Like you mean, you mean to tell me that we should like empty out our bank accounts and go to the ridge.org slash give and like, is that what I'm saying? No, that's not what I'm saying. It doesn't mean to zero out your account. It does mean that everything is under God's control. And it's not about 10% or 15% or 20%. It's about 100% of what you have been given belongs to God. And it takes from moving from this scarcity mentality to the sacrificial faith mentality. And I don't know what she was thinking, but I believe that she thought that God was going to show up in her life. A sacrificial approach to life and our relationship with Jesus is celebrated. That's what he points out. So I'm going to do my best to kind of explain the radical generosity that Jesus is talking about. So how can we move from this cycle? How do we get out of the me, 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 mine, mine, mine cycle? 
How do we move from a scarcity cycle to a sacrificial cycle? So here's number one. Here's the way we start. And this is very important. It has to start here. Number one, we remember God provides. God provides. It doesn't come from us. It's not what we get. God provides first. And it has to start here. That's part of the problem with the scarcity mindset is it starts with us, it ends with us, it's all about us. But the generosity mindset starts with God. And oftentimes when we're in the scarcity mindset, we believe that God won't provide, especially in the way that we want or in the timing that we want. We think he can't or won't do it. We fear, so we protect Well, I have to do it myself. So we go out and we do whatever we think we need to do to get the level of safety, get the level of security that we might need or want. All because we fear that God won't provide. But if we start with God provides, if we don't start with what we get, but what he has given, that perspective starts to shift. So like the widow, we begin to trust God will provide more than what we need. It's countercultural. It goes the opposite direction. So the first thing we do is we remember God provides. What's the second thing we do? Well, the second thing is we are thankful for God's provision. So God provides and then we thank. I mean, you didn't think we were going to have an entire Thanksgiving weekend message without thankfulness in it, did you? I mean, I would have shoehorned in somewhere. But the reality is thanking God reminds us that he provides. He provides whether we thank him or not. But thanking him puts him in his rightful place. That he is the provider. He's in control. He loves us. What do you think that that widow was thinking when she put in the coins? I mean, we don't know. It doesn't tell us. But I I like to think like that sometimes. Like, What do you think that she was going through? She's a person and she comes up. She has these two coins with her. They're all she has in the world. She doesn't have anything else stashed away. Jesus told us this is everything that she has. I don't know. What, what was she thinking? Was she scared? Was she shy? Did she hope nobody would notice her? Was she worried? I don't know. Maybe she was all of those things. I think I would be a little worried if I had nothing to my name too. But I also think it's incredibly likely that she believed that God would provide and she was thankful for the way that he had provided for her. And when we give, we don't give out of obligation. We give out of gratitude. Gratitude for what God has done and what God will do. So that starts with remembering that it's his in the first place. And you notice like these two, we start with the action. We get, we use. This one, we're not even to an action yet. Provides, and then we have a heart of thankfulness. So what's next? Well, here's the third thing that we do. We identify how to use God's provision. So we haven't had like a fancy church word yet. So we got to add a fancy church word. If I'm on a flip chart, we got to have a fancy church word. So we're going to add this fancy church word called stewardship or being a good steward. The only context I have heard the word stewardship or being a good steward is in wine, cheese, and church. That's it. That's the only places that I've interacted with kind of this concept of being a good steward. So here's what stewardship means. Stewardship means to use God's provision like he would want us to use it. That's all it means. 
That's it. That we just use God's provision in the way that he wants us to use it. So it is spending and it's saving. And it's a lot of the stuff that we do in the use part. Now this reminds me kind of uh, of an old story. There's a meeting in a church. And there's a multimillionaire that comes to this meeting at a church. And he hasn't been to church in a really, really long time. And he comes in and he asks if he can get up and talk a little bit. And they're like, yeah, I guess so. So this multimillionaire gets up and he says, you know, I remember when I had my first business and I got my first dollar, I had a dollar bill and I came to church that Sunday and I had a choice to make. The choice that I had, I could either give this $1 bill back to God or I could reinvest it in my business. And I decided right then and there, I was going to give everything I've got back to God. And then he went on and on and on about how much money he's made since then and how much God has blessed him since then and how he doesn't maybe need kind of that principle as much anymore because you know he's talked about compound interest and he talked about all this stuff. And then he ended this talk with this thought. And he said, you know, I gave everything I've got back to God. And then there's a little boy in the front row. And the little boy goes, dare you to do it again? Because we struggle with it when we have a lot. Scarcity mindset actually comes in not because of how much we have. It's our attitude. And oftentimes, I think scarcity mindset is the most dangerous, not when we have a little, but when we have a lot. Who had the scarcity mindset? It wasn't the widow. It was the rich guy coming and dropping all those coins. Imagine what happened to this widow. I mean, she went home. She didn't have any more money. We call that financially irresponsible today. Jesus straight up called her poor, and yet she's the one that Jesus said got it right. And that gives me pause in this story. Do you give in a way that you have to trust God to provide? I don't know. And that's the fourth thing that we have to do. See, we remember God provides. We're thankful for his provision. We identify how we use God's provision. And then we practice sacrifice. So we are a good steward. And then we sacrifice. It's not about what we get. It's about what we've been given. The widow gave her entire livelihood. It's not the value of the gift, but like a child given a bite of their like little treat. Have you ever had a kid say, you want some of this? Like that's a precious commodity to them. That's generous. And we're called to practice sacrificial generosity. And I don't know your situation. I mean, here's what, here's what I do know. Oftentimes we're okay with the generosity cycle until we get here. We're okay with God providing. That's awesome. We're okay with thanking him. We like to sing the songs and do all the stuff, and that's great. We are even okay with stewarding because this involves spending money, and we're cool with that. But we do not like the sacrifice because the sacrifice part is uncomfortable. Do you give in a way that you have to trust God to provide? Now, this cycle is happening all around us. And when we step into the generosity cycle, some amazing things happen. 
See, God takes that sacrifice. And I think oftentimes he takes that sacrifice and that's how he provides even for somebody else. And over and over again, the cycle continues over and over and over again. And he continues to give more and we continue to thank him for what he's given and steward him and sacrifice more. And then things just explode. And sometimes it's in ways we don't understand. Sometimes it's in ways that are really far away, like overseas. Sometimes it's in our own home or in our own church or in our own heart. But if we sacrifice, he shows up in ways we can't always fully understand. In ways like this. South Asia, home to a quarter of the world's population. 1.9 billion people. Many of these people live in gripping darkness. They have not been shown the love of Christ. Because of the traditional belief systems, the poor are marginalized and separated from opportunities, leading to great physical, emotional, and spiritual need. At Central India Christian Mission, we believe that God has called us to transform these communities in South Asia by creating light through real, radical gospel change. CICM, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is altering the very DNA of this land for the better by sharing the message of Jesus Christ and fulfilling his commandments to love our neighbors as ourselves. That is why we, despite the risk of persecution, courageously work every day to reach the unreached, love the unloved, and bring freedom to those held in captivity. We live by Jesus' example, preaching the good news and serving the people that we meet through our ministry pillars of launching leaders, empowering youth, transforming communities. God is igniting the fire of his kingdom message through our indigenously led ministries. And with the support of our global partners, we have planted more than 3,000 churches And over half a million brothers and sisters now have vision to see his goodness. The Lord is at work. We have seen it every day of our 30 years engaged in this work. In the smiles of the community. In moments of prayer and worship. And in the restoration he is bringing to this land. We would love to invite you to be a part of what God is doing. Pray for our ministry. Pray for the church. Pray that the light of Christ is known and all of the darkness is lifted. So Central India Christian Mission is one of our mission partnerships. And in that partnership, we have been able, through your generosity, give them money to build and plant a physical church in India They were one of the only medical providers that were able to stay open and thrive even during kind of COVID pandemic stuff happening in India. And all because of people and churches like you and like the Ridge partnering with them, we will never meet many of those people, if any of those people. But that's because of sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving here, sacrificial giving by the people who are there working and ministering and loving people in India. See, sacrifice matters in the context of generosity. 
And we've been asking some variation of this question throughout this series. And it's a really important question. That's why we've camped out on it all three weeks. Check this out. This is the question. We've asked it a bunch of different times. How does God want you to spend his money? That comes down to the sacrifice part of this cycle because of what God did for us through Jesus and the cross. It creates this mindset that isn't about scarcity anymore. It's about supply. It's about provision, but only if it starts with God. So how does God want you to spend his money? Now, I've been thinking about how this applies to us as individuals. We've been talking about that for a couple of weeks, but I think it's responsible for us to also think about this in the context of the ridge as well. Like, what does it mean for the ridge to spend God's money? Now, you might be aware of this. You might not be aware of this. But the ridge is currently around $6,000 a week behind budget. Now, if you push that out, if you crunch the numbers for the entire fiscal year, that's around $330,000 a year behind. Now, why do I bring this up right now? Is it to guilt you? No, absolutely it's not. It's a good thing for you to be aware. But really... I was thinking about it this week and it reminded me of this scarcity mindset. Because when I prepare a series like Piggy Banks and 401ks and we're talking about money and we're talking about all this stuff, it is incredibly tempting for it to be about giving more. But it's not about the dollar amount. That's pretty clear. It's not about fear either. And it's not about protection like the scarcity mindset. It has to be about stewardship. Our approach to the way God provides has to be about sacrifice. That has to be the heart. Now we're heading into the holidays where we actually tend to give and spend more for our community partners than we do the rest of the year. The 10K challenge costs money. The giving tree that Tim talked about earlier when he eventually got up here was about money. Should we stop doing those things? Like if we're behind budget, if you're behind budget at home, do you stop sacrificing? Like what do we do? What does it look like to steward? What does it look like to sacrifice? And here's my answer based on what we've been studying and based on what we talked about today. I am more convinced today than I ever have been that we should be generous and we should give sacrificially as a church especially in times that we're behind. Why? Because the reality is God provides the money and we're thankful for the way that he provides, incredibly thankful for you responding to God and providing in that way. And that is significant. And he will continue to provide and we will do everything in our power to be good stewards of God's money and do that well. And if he's calling us to do the giving tree, if he's calling us to do the 10K challenge, if he's calling us to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ, which I believe he is, I also believe he will provide. If he calls us to it, he gives us what we need to do it. So we are going to proceed faithfully, even when we don't understand all of it, even when we don't know how he's going to provide, even though I might disagree with some of the timing and we're chatting about that. The same might be for you. See, we have a choice in generosity. We have the choice to give sacrificially. And it's not about giving more. It's a matter of trusting God and faithfully responding to him. When he answers the question, because when we ask him this question, how does God want us to spend his money? How does he want you to spend his money? When we actually ask this question, I believe that he gives an actual answer. 
And it's not 10%, 20%, 30%. It is 100%. Everything we have should honor God. And he is asking us to do things with what he has provided us as a church, as individuals. And that might not be about giving to the ridge at all. And I'm cool with that. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is your heart. And what we're talking about is your relationship with Jesus. And what we're talking about is the ridge and our heart trying to, to respond in the same way. He's providing. I don't always see it. I don't always understand it. But I believe it. And we have to break out of the scarcity mindset. And the way we break out of that scarcity mindset is by generosity. So how does God want you to use his money? Because I believe the answer to this question changes lives. It changes the world. It changes our hearts. It changes our families. Not because of what we get, but because of what God is already doing. How does he want you to spend his money? I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the way that you provide. You provide even today. You provide the breath that we breathe. You provide the opportunity to be alive and to be a part of what you're doing. And I confess to you, sometimes we get it mixed up. I get it mixed up and we we put ourselves first or what we want first or what we think first and it's tempting and we start to fear or we start to protect and we go, I don't want to talk about that. I I don't want to interact with this concept. But God, I'm so thankful for the way that you provide financially, spiritually, how you've provided so fully with your love through through Jesus and the cross. And our prayer today is that you answer the question in our heart and in our mind, how do you want us to spend your money? It's yours in the first place. How do you want us to respond? And help us, prompt us to do so, to actually act it out, to actually step out in faith, to actually sacrifice in a way that we have to rely on you to provide rather than ourselves. We thank you for your love and for the hope and for the joy and the peace that comes from your provision. And I know that fear is a big part of our lives and we fear where we're going to go and what we're going to do and how we're going to pay for it and all of those things. And I feel those things sometimes too. And so we surrender that to you and we just ask you to take it. We want to proclaim your name. We want to say Jesus first and then everything else. Give it all up to you and we're going to stand and we are going to proclaim who you are and we're going to believe that you will provide. Thank you for your love and it's in Jesus' name we pray today. Amen.